From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. Happy New Year and welcome to day 17 of the partial government shutdown, the never-ending shutdown, it seems. With me today is is Kelly Madrick, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Uh, Thanks for being here, Kelly. Happy to stare into the void with you. Thanks. As we tape it as day 17, we are now tied, I think, for the second longest shutdown in modern history, fast approaching the longest shutdown, which would be this coming Saturday. Do we see any light at the end of the tunnel? There's not a lot of light of, uh, at the end of the tunnel for now, but every day things can change. When it comes to these type of shutdown scenarios, everything is just changing by the minute. We should say we just had a weekend full of these of these high-level meetings between Vice President Mike Pence, other administration officials, and congressional staffers, staffers from top leadership of both parties, uh, consensus seemed to be nothing came of it. What was unfortunate to me was almost all of the statements, whether it was Trump's tweet or, you know, Democrats speaking off the record, essentially, on, on background, but basically not giving us their names to use in a story. All of them were kind of slinging mud at each other and saying either we had a really productive discussion, knowing the Democrats would say no in the president's case, or, you know, the president was very late to the meeting. Nothing really advanced. We don't know when the next meeting is going to be. I think this is a good opportunity for people who watch Congress to kind of look at how these people are constructing the message. Because right now, because Congress isn't in session, they're totally in control of the dialogue. And this is what they're deciding to put out for the American people to look at right now. And, you know, a lot of it is just pure politics, and it has nothing to do with the mechanics that have to do with reopening the government. And they couldn't even agree, it was striking to me when they, the officials couldn't even agree on what actually was discussed at the meetings. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we had, we had a, a Republican aide told us that they laid out the detailed funding demands the Democrats wanted to see about a border wall. A Democratic official told us, no, they didn't. <laughs> exactly, and I think just that type of uh, crossed wires that we're getting more than anything since they're not really letting the public know what's actually going on more than anything it's just an indication of how broken down the talks are right now and how little they have to do with anything i mean when you have people going on sunday talk shows and saying the goal is not to open up the government the goal is to fix a broken immigration system to bring reality to this table, uh, that ICE is not the problem, it's the solution. The goal is to repair a damaged, broken immigration system. That was Senator Lindsey Graham who Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and his appearance on uh, Face the Nation alongside uh, Senator Dick Durbin, a Democrat from Illinois. Well, I can't say that we're close because the president's made it clear he doesn't care. Uh, He's prepared to see a shutdown for months, and he even said years, and reaffirmed that before the cameras. Uh, It was stunning to hear a president of the United States say that about his own government, a government we elected him to lead. Both of those interviews were really good indications of just how far apart everyone is. Um, Senator Graham seemed quite upset. 
He's been in close contact with the president. And his takeaway, besides that this isn't about ending the shutdown, which, you know, is just kind of a funny quote, but it's also kind of indicative of how bizarre this all is, was that there's no way we're getting out of this without a wall. Until we can find a rational way forward where we'll have wall as part of a border security plan, we're going nowhere. And if you heard House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she says that over and over and over again, there will be no wall, period. There's no wall. Because she called it an immorality. It's not whether it's an immorality or not. It's almost that the Democrats have now decided from what they're telling us and what they're telling the public that this shutdown is so bad that we can't even argue about what precipitated the shutdown anymore because we just need to open back up the government because it's almost like they believe that this has crossed some kind of red line for debate. And Republicans say they're not going to reopen the government until they get the wall because that's their leverage for getting it. Yeah. And yet we should also say the definition of a wall has gotten so squishy here. Democrats say they'll support fencing. President Trump just came sa- just over the weekend said, well, it doesn't have to be made of concrete. It can be made of steel. He's talked about steel slats before. Is it clear what a wall is? By all sides view, if you really ask them about the facts of what happened this weekend, they will agree that the president basically moved the goalpost and said, now it will be a steel fence. He even said that that was agreed to in the meeting. And then, of course, we had, no, that's not what was agreed to. Still looking at a massive, a massive barrier. Durbin came out and said when he when this was brought up during his interview that well he's changed he's changed his demand from time to time and he's changed the amount of money he's asking for and he has a valid point in terms of the fact that the president has changed what the wall means or what it is or if it's a barrier over right. and over and over and again. there was there was released over the weekend a two-page letter from the white house to appropriators that supposedly outlined their their homeland security funding needs, which which total over $7 billion more than Senate people have been prepared to provide. But the biggest single item is $5.7 billion for the wall, which still was not detailed in the letter. It just says we need $5.7 billion for a wall, but there's still no detail on, on a plan for that happening, in, the, it, in that letter anyway. I think that set a lot of appropriations wonks hearts aflame last night, you know, on Sunday night. I also think that uh, just another indication of how messed up this process has become, it was not a formal budget request um, from the president, which has its own channels, its own letterhead, its own whole process. This came after the initial budget request. Yeah, it was a letter to the Senate Appropriations Chairman because he's the head of the committee and they wanted this information. So meanwhile, we're on day 17 and... Nine cabinet departments are at least partially shuttered. What kind of impacts, Kelly, are we seeing so far from this? So we're starting to see some of the beginnings of the longer-term impacts of a shutdown. And what's really interesting is as we go through all these contingency plans that agencies had to make, some of them have outlined the three-week impact. And those are the times at which programs shut down. I was just talking to uh, Representative Bob Adderhold of Alabama, Republican appropriator, who, who told me that he's not hearing from his constituents yet so much, but he anticipates he will because people who didn't apply for crop insurance 
reimbursement, for example, or crop loss reimbursement, they now will not be able to do that with USDA anymore because they had some carryover balances of appropriations at the agency that they could use to have people working, but not anymore. And then the big one, of course, is that there's not going to be, this week, there's not going to be paychecks for federal workers. So they're going to miss out on a paycheck. And that, paychecks that should come out this Friday. And that is going to sting really hard. And we're already seeing here in the District of Columbia, we're already seeing effects of this. I mean, even at my apartment, we have a letter from our tenancy, like our landlord management saying, hey, we understand that there's a lot of government workers who live here, and we just want to let you know that we're available to talk. There's not like them saying, oh, we're just going to give you a break, because this is this is capitalism. This right. is America. You need to pay your rent. That's one of the basic things. And so and we should we're say getting more, to that more broadly, now. I mean, the IRS is shuttered, so there's a concern that tax refunds won't go out on time. And exactly. The parks are closed, sort of, except now there's a deal to to uh, fund at basic maintenance at the parks through through fees that they've been collecting. And you wonder, though, like how far that's going to go, because some of the parks are trashed now, which we've seen on some of these headlines, that there's just trash everywhere. The toilets are overflowing, right, which, which spurred is pretty this disgusting. effort to, to start funding that. It's, and there's some concern that food stamp payments are going to be hurt on this, at least temporarily. Yeah, and it raises a question, not only with that, but with all types of different government services. You know, they might be able to help with existing benefits, some states are having concerns about delivering food stamp benefits, but most of them, it's a mandatory program, so the food stamps still go out. At least food stamp money is going out. But think about new applications for people. If there's not government workers to process your applications, whether it's on a reduced basis or a furloughed basis, then you're not getting the taxpayer service that you paid for, which is if you have a sudden need for a government service, you should be able to go to that agency and procure your need if you're if you're eligible. Right now, that is not possible because the government shut down. That is a reality that lawmakers can't explain away or blame on anyone. That is just the basic uh, like lay of the land and where we're at right now. And it's only going to compound the longer that this lasts. Yeah. And also lost in all of this uh, was an attempt to provide disaster relief money to victims of recent hurricanes and wildfires. That had been part of a stopgap funding measure that they were trying to get passed last month, but of course that didn't go anywhere. So where are we on this now? So it looks like there's a lot of negotiation that there's going to have to be done. I mean, we have to remember that the, the you know, Eight seven eight billion dollar package that was introduced in the House by Republicans was one marker that was put out in December. Now we have a twelve point one billion package from House Democrats. So um, they've upped the ante here and made it even more costly. Yeah, expensive. not double, but pretty much like a big substantial increase. Yeah. a lot of it in Milcon. Uh, military construction. Projects. Yeah, military construction. Um, a lot of that money to 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 repair buildings. There's also a lot more money in Army Corps of Engineers flood control projects. The Army Corps, remember, does a lot of stuff that has to do with preventing like large bodies of water from flooding or dredging um, seaways and and ports. So there's a lot more money there. And then um, they also laid down a big marker with these state revolving loan funds. They proposed 
849 million for that and that's for drinking water systems and drinking water systems and wastewater systems often take some of the hardest hits in big weather events because it just shifts the entire infrastructure yeah. and it can cause a lot of cracks and but all of that of course stuff. we don't know when this bill will get going anywhere again i think that this is an indication from democrats that's saying hey if you guys want to strike a big deal I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be after this shutdown thing or as the way we conclude the shutdown thing. Here's a big sweetener we can throw on the table. All members of Congress who are affected by this, Republican or Democrat, would have an easier time voting on a very contentious bill to reopen government if they have $12 billion to sprinkle across all these different projects caused by 2018's pretty disastrous uh, uh, weather weather event. And what we'll be covering this week is another attempt by House Democrats to force uh, votes to get the government reopened. Yeah, it's almost like a weird um, reverse universe we're living in here where we're having all these votes that uh, one side, that is Republicans in the Senate, kind of say is going to do nothing. And then the House majority is voting to do something. Yeah. And how the House is going to push to to bring up the same six unfinished spending bills that they had passed last week, this week on an individual basis to put more pressure on Republicans to vote for them in an attempt to reopen the government. And we have seen some Republicans recently start talking about the need to reopen government. I, the calculation yeah. here may be, let's pressure more of them to switch sides and at least vote for these non-controversial departments to get reopened while the talks on on border security continue, right? Yeah, David. Some other Republicans, even in the Senate, are calling for the government to be reopened, including Senator Susan Collins of Maine. Government shutdowns are never good policy. And we've had them in the Obama administration. We've had them in uh, President Trump's administration. Another example of how organizing the House floor can push a message. This is clearly a message from Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California that look at this bill. What does this have to do with the wall? Look at this bill. What does it this have to do with the wall? None of these things are funded. And so by creating a legislative process that's involved with that, she can help push that message um, in a way that has like actual impact in the public because C-SPAN is going to be covering it. Democrats are going to be coming up railing against the shutdown. Republicans will be doing their own railing against not funding the border wall. But there will be a robust debate that we will get to see on the House floor. Um, and while it may not result in a reopening of government, it will give us a greater insight into the individual perspectives of lawmakers. And there will be a lot of whipping probably going on on the floor, discussions between Republicans and Democrats who might be caving one way or the other, and leaders are going to have to try to corral their caucuses to keep everyone in line. And CQ will be covering it all for you. It's going to be another busy, chaotic week on Capitol Hill. It's going to be a great time. Thanks again to Kelly Madrick, our appropriations reporter, for joining me today. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. 
See you next week.